And I am here to let you know that the Marine Corps has exceeded its enlistment goal by 21 people. So we are good to go, ladies and gentlemen. This is Military Times over the weekend. The Marine Corps once again met or slightly outperformed its goal for recruiting across all major categories in the past fiscal year, according to recruiting numbers released Thursday to Marine Corps Times. It was the only branch, besides the Space Force, which I'm not even sure that we count them, to hit its recruitment targets by October 1st, the end of the federal government's fiscal year. The rest of the DoD has struggled to attract qualified young people. Commandant of the Marine Corps, his name is General Eric Smith. He quotes, I'm mindful of how challenging an environment this is and want to publicly give credit to our professional recruiters and all our Marines who uphold our rigorous standards 24-7. Well, let's talk about those rigorous standards, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to talk about the rigorous standards that we have in our armed forces and whether or not we're truly ready to meet out a ground war, again, in the Middle East or elsewhere. Military Times, October 13th, that's Friday, quote, nearly 70% of active service members are overweight. Nearly 70% of the active duty service members. These are people who are paid professionals. These are folks who raise up their right hand and say, I want to serve my nation. I want to put it all on the line against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And yet, th- three out of four of them, or at least more than two-thirds of active duty service members, are overweight. They are either within the, quote, overweight or obese ranges of the BMI, Body Mass Index, according to a report by the American Security Project released last Thursday. The obesity rate, okay, this is this is using a person's age, height, and weight, has more than doubled over the past decade from 10% to 21%. More than half of young Americans now qualify as obese, and that's the number one disqualifier for recruiting prospects. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a real problem in this country. Uh... If you were to listen to some congressional testimony by some high-ranking officer, he would categorize this as a quote-unquote readiness problem. That's what they would say in front of Congress. We have a readiness problem. Readiness. Readiness is defined as, is a unit deployable? Can you take the unit right now, stick them on an airplane or a boat, and send them overseas to fight? What are all the things that have to happen for a unit to be ready? Well... One of the first and foremost things is that the unit has to be physically healthy. Physically healthy. Uh, That means up to date on all of your vaccinations, including the flu shot. You got to have clean teeth. You don't want to die of gum disease while you're in combat. You got to have your physical tests all done. You have to be physically screened. You have to have completed your living will and testament, have a plan for your demise Uh, for your family, have your insurance all up to date, Uh, have a family care plan, who's going to take care of your kids if you don't return. Um, Notice I haven't said anything tactical yet. 
And notice I haven't said you have to have your weapon, your weapon system zeroed out, ready to go. You got to have some ammunition. You got to have some uh, tactical acumen. The unit is supposed to, prior to deployment, conduct pre-deployment training as a unit. Oftentimes, you know, so people don't know this who are outside of the military. It's a transient organization. You know, people are moving every two to three years into different jobs, sometimes even more frequently than that. So when a unit goes to war together, oftentimes it's a collection of people who have only served together for a period of time of like, you know, as little as six to eight months, or at most two years. So the unit needs to train together, it needs to breathe together. People need to understand who's who, who does what, how the unit functions. So it's called PTP, pre, uh, pre, uh, I'm not sure what that stands for actually. Pre-deployment training essentially is where you do tactical exercises, sometimes out in the middle of the desert where you're shooting live fire exercises, you're maneuvering as a whole unit, you're uh, functioning as a, uh, as a single unit, you're employing things called combined arms, so you're calling for fire. You need to be able to, as a unit, call in indirect fire onto a target while you're also suppressing it with direct fire weapons. You want artillery and air to strike the enemy while you are suppressing them directly with direct fire weapons. Um, that's called uh, combined arms. And to do that is a very specialized skill set. So we're not even talking... When you talk about readiness, look, when, when you send a unit into combat, you want the unit to fight and win. You don't send them there to just chill out at the uh, commissary and, and uh, eat ice cream in, in Afghanistan. You want them to fight, close with, destroy the enemy. Locate, close with, destroy the enemy, period. That's why we go to war. That's the purpose of a military. We can't even locate, close with, and destroy the enemy because we are too fat, we are too obese. We are eating too many calories. We are destroying our bodies with chemicals. I would propose to you, ladies and gentlemen, that this has less to do with caloric intake and quote-unquote laziness, even though I do think that a lot of active-duty troops are lazy. And it has something else. It has something else going on. There's something involved in what we are putting in our bodies, in how our bodies are interacting with the physical world that is making us less and less healthy. Less than one out of five young people in the United States of America are even physically qualified to join the armed forces of the United States to fight. We have one of the smallest standing armies now than we, that, than we have ever had. Uh, I was around during the Obama drawdown. You know, people uh, people during the Great Recession, I had people tell me, oh, you're so lucky, you're, you're active duty in the Marine Corps, you have job security. Um, well, excuse me, to make it through the first portion of officer candidate school, there was a one in two failure rate. To make it through the second portion of officer candidate school, there was a one in two failure rate. So what's one half times one half? That's one quarter. Just to graduate and become a lieutenant, you had to be in the top 25% of the officer candidate school. And that took years even to get to OCS. 
Then, once you're on active duty, during the Obama drawdowns, they had what's called career retention, whether or not they were going to retain the young officers. And right around the time you were uh, in zone to be selected for captain, so you go from second lieutenant to first lieutenant to captain, uh, you automatically are promoted from first lieutenant to second lieutenant after however many months, 24 months, whatever it is. So you automatically become a first lieutenant, but then you compete for what's called career designation. And this is a national board where they take all the first lieutenants in the whole country, take all their performance evaluation reports, they take all of their assignments, they look at the pictures of them, they look at their physical performance, they look at their martial arts, their shooting, uh, their marksmanship, their, their, their everything. And about 40% of us were career designated. The other 60% were asked to leave active duty and head to the reserves. So during the Great Recession, to even maintain an active duty status as an officer in the Marine Corps, you had to be in the top 25% just to get through OCS, and then you had to be in the top 30% of that. What's 25 times 30? You, I mean, you, you had to be basically a top 10% person to, to continue to exist while wearing the uniform. Now, I know it was tough out there in the uh, economy at large during the Great Recession. I know that people lost their jobs and um, their houses. Um, the mortgage-backed security crisis was a big deal. Um, I know that, you know, there was an unemployment rate that shot up to as high as 10%, 15%. That is nothing in comparison with the difficulty during that time of remaining on active duty. Fast forward to today. Under the Biden regime, we now have one in three uh, uh, soldiers, sailors, marines, who are not fat. Why is everybody fat? Why does everybody have a readiness problem? You've heard, maybe you haven't heard, but I've heard congressional testimony wherein the military officers who are uh, testifying for the Congress say things like, we have a readiness problem. We cannot field certain number of people into combat. We just can't. Um, this is a big problem because... Not because I think that we should or even that we're going to put boots on the ground in the Middle East, but because the conflict in the Middle East very likely is going to have third order effects, fourth order effects around the world. This portion of Parrot Talk is brought to you by the Epoch Times. Subscribe today. Watch their new docufilm, No Farmers, No Food. Will you eat the bugs? Subscribe today through the Crusade Channel for $1 off your first month by going to crusadechannel.com forward slash epoch. That's E-P-O-C-H. Well, what else do we have in the stack here? Henry Kissinger is 100 years old, and he has some thoughts on Hamas and the attacks and the fallout, specifically with respect to Germany. You know, Kissinger is a Jew, 100-year-old Jew, he was very famously the Secretary of State for the Kennedys. And he says, 
It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different culture and religion and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. The 100-year-old ex-top American diplomat said in an interview with Axel Springer CEO Matthias Dopfner for Germany's Welt TV. German-born Kissinger, who fled Nazi Germany with his family in 1938, and went on to become the architect of American foreign policy during the Vietnam War, said that it was painful in response to a question about seeing Arabs in Berlin celebrating last week's uh, assault on Israel. Um, Kissinger, German-born Jew, supposedly uh, escaped the Holocaust, top American diplomat, architect of Vietnam. I'm not sure that I would want that on my headstone. He should be thinking about his headstone, by the way. I mean, his headstone's coming up. And if it were me, I would try to find some other legacy. I do find it interesting, though, that this alt-left Henry Kissinger, German Jew, is saying that Germany let in too many of the wrong types of people. They let in a bunch of Muslims. They let in a bunch of scholars and terrorists. Uh, I want to say that Germany let in more than 2 million Syrian refugees. Remember the Syrian thing? Remember the remember the red line that Obama drew out? Uh, remember uh, that we were going to do something about it when there was gas used on citizens and then we weren't going to do anything about it after all? Kissinger, quote, The Middle East conflict has the danger of escalating and bringing in other Arab countries under the pressure of their public opinion. Kissinger warned while pointing to the lessons learned from the 1973 Yom Kippur War, during which an Arab coalition led by Egypt and Syria attacked Israel. 